Oh, what an incredible, incredible weekend we have been able to experience here at Shades. Students, how y'all doing? You doing good? Come on. Man, it's so good to be with y'all this morning. I know you're probably a little tired, but I'm going to do my best to keep you awake and get us through the end of this morning together. But we have so much to celebrate. We have so much to be thankful for. And church, I just want to say to you in front of all of these students, what a gift it is to be a part of a church that believes in, that prays for, that pursues, and that loves the next generation. Thank you, church. Yeah, you can, you can give it up for that. That's a good, good thing. We're, we're going to see that in the Word of God here this morning. But, but we, we just want to acknowledge, as we celebrate here today, God is doing something significant. And I know for many of you, this has been a life-changing weekend. This has been a weekend that you will look back on years from now and, and some of you will be able to say, man, that's where everything changed. And we celebrate that with you. And we believe that God is at work and we believe that God is pursuing us with his love. And we believe that the words we just sang together are words that we all need to hear. That our God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we, one generation to the next, we worship the same God when we look to Jesus and see what he has done. So students, we, we celebrate what God's doing in your life. We are grateful for a weekend like this. And it's a privilege for me to now get to stand before you and to bring the word of God in this, this final session of Crave, but also this gathering of worship that we have as the body of Christ, the church. And so this morning, I'm going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and pull it out. Join me in 2 Timothy chapter 1. It's right, uh, really close to the end of the New Testament, so kind of the back of the Bible. And if you are new to Bible study, I'll give you a hint. It's right after 1 Timothy, okay? So if you get to 1 Timothy, you're close. Just keep going. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young man named Timothy. That's where the name of this letter comes from. And, and Timothy was a, a young man that the Apostle Paul loved very dearly. Loved him like a, an older brother would love a little brother or like, like a spiritual father would love a spiritual son. And Paul is seeing God at work in Timothy's life. And Paul believes that God has great things in store for Timothy's ministry. Paul also understands the reality of life. And he also knows the road that Timothy is walking is a very difficult, difficult road. And he also knows that the culture surrounding Timothy is going to be a culture that's going to, that's going to be seemingly against what God is doing in Timothy's life. And so Paul writes this young man that he loves this letter to encourage him. To say, hey, I'm in your corner. I've got your back. There's some things you need to pay attention to. There's some things you need to see. But do not lose sight of what God has done for you through Jesus Christ. And so we're going to look at the beginning of this letter together here this morning. And it's my prayer that God would use it to speak into all of our lives and, and show us something that we need to see here 
today. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, is where we're going to be. And this is something we do uh, each and every Sunday morning. If you're new to Shades, we do this when we read the Word of God. We stand together. So I want to invite you, if you're willing and able, stand back up with me all around the room. If you're joining us online, we do this so, so that we can be reminded week in and week out. The people of God following Jesus Christ stand on the Word of God. This is our foundation. This is the solid rock underneath our feet. The word of God is the foundation on which we stand. And it is the word of God that lays before the people of God what God says is right and good and true. So hear the word of the Lord. 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, Paul writes here to Timothy, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. And as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night and day. As I remember your tears, Paul says, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. This is the word of the Lord, and it's appropriate as we consider the word of the Lord to pray together that God would use his word in our lives to show us what he knows we need to see. So let's, let's have a moment where I pray over us, and then we can all be seated as we continue in this message. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now, and, and, and certainly on a weekend like this, our hearts are filled with gratitude of what we have seen you do already and Lord, our hearts are filled with expectation of what you will do in the time to come. And so we come before you now believing, Lord, that you are among us. Believing you have something to say. Believing we need to hear from you. And so, Father, it is my prayer as we look to your word that your spirit would move among us in this place and among those who join online for this service as well, that we, would, that we would hear from you, that these would not just be words on a page, but these would be words that are living and active, that, that leap into our heart and our mind through the work of your spirit. And so, Father, we pray that you'd show us what we need to see. And we pray that we would not be the same as a result of what you say. So we look to you now for your glory and for our joy. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. And students, just do your best to stay awake. We had ninth grade girls at our house last night, and I lit a, a campfire in the backyard about 11 o'clock and went to bed, and they weren't even home yet. So... I'm thankful the house didn't burn down, but I mean, I know it was a late night. We've had an incredible, incredible weekend. 
And it is a joy to step into this passage of Scripture here this morning because this is a passage of Scripture that reminds us that, that there's actually more going on in our midst and more going on in this journey of faith than we often get to see or pay attention to. Here the Apostle Paul is reminding Timothy again, this, this young leader in the Christian church, this young pastor who actually is the pastor of the early church in Ephesus, one of, one of the first churches of the Big C Church altogether. Paul's reminding him, Timothy, you're not, you're not in this by yourself. There, there is a generation that has gone before you. And, and all throughout the word of God, we actually see this reality that from one generation to the next, the faithfulness of God is, is passed down. The faithfulness of God is demonstrated. And, and part of the calling that God places on his people is to make sure as the people of God that we do everything we can to walk in faithfulness and to pass down the good news of what God has done through Christ one generation to the next. That's part of why we get so fired up about Crave Weekend. An entire church gets to say to the next generation, we love you. We believe in you. There is something you need to hear about how great our God is. Now, the context for this letter, though, is very challenging. In fact, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Timothy while, while Paul sits in a, in a prison cell. And Paul is very well aware that he may never get out of this prison cell. And if he gets out of this prison cell, it may be for his execution. He knows his time on earth is coming to an end. And in that, he, he feels this burden for Timothy. Why? Because Timothy's like a spiritual son to Paul. And Timothy's in the, in the midst of a, of a culture that is not applauding him for living for Jesus. It's a challenging culture in Ephesus. On top of that, in this young church, there are some there are some struggles. There, there are some people that are actually working against Timothy and working against what God is doing in the church. And, and it's a difficult season for Timothy. And Paul knows it's going to get even harder when Timothy's mentor, Paul, uh, passes away or is gone. And so he writes this letter kind of like as a, as a passing the baton, kind of like as his last statement to Timothy. He, he doesn't know this may be the final time he gets to communicate with Timothy. And so he pours out his heart to him. And what does he say? He says, Timothy, you're not alone. That's what we see here in verses 3 and 4 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. And students, I really hope you can hear this. And I hope you can see the beauty of this on a big, exciting weekend like Crave Weekend. Because I know tomorrow, it's back to normal life. It's back to school. It's back to work, parents. It's it's back to the daily routine, the, the daily grind. And Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, as you face whatever you will face tomorrow, you must remember you are not 
alone. 2 Timothy 1 verse 3, let me read again. I thank God whom I serve, Paul writes, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Paul saying, Timothy, I got your back. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'm in your corner. You are not alone. And Paul writes, as I remember you in my tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Paul is just pouring out his heart here. He's saying, Timothy, you are not alone. I know it may feel like it at times, but you are not alone. Do not forget what God has done for you in Christ. Students, on Monday morning, do not forget what you have heard this weekend. That there is a God who loves you. That there is a God who loves you so much he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you, to offer you forgiveness through the shedding of his blood, to cover you in, in grace if you trust him in faith, to be your savior, to be your Lord. This is what Christ has done for you. And Paul is reminding Timothy, don't forget, don't forget what God's done. Don't forget, you're not alone in this. Don't forget, in fact, as we're going to see, there's, there's generations that went before you that paved the way for you, to, for you to be here today in the faith. Don't forget this. Don't lose sight of this. Such a beautiful picture and a beautiful example for the church today. I mean, one of the great, great blessings that we have here at Shades Mountain is we are a multi-generational church. That is a tremendous gift. We have multiple generations that gather together week in and week out here at Shades. And, and each generation has, has something to offer the other generations. And each generation needs something from the other generations. And that's this beautiful picture of the family of God. You want to know the great blessings of being a part of a multi-generational family of faith, the church, is when you find yourself walking through a difficult time like Timothy is, and you feel like you're the only one who's ever walked through this, and all of a sudden somebody who has been through the fire before comes alongside of you and puts their arm on your shoulder and says, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, I know it's not easy. Hey, I've been in a situation similar to what you're walking through and I've seen the faithfulness of God. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing here with Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, I, I know this is not easy, but I've been down a road similar to what, the one you're walking and, and I want you to know I have seen the faithfulness of God and I, I'm praying for you and I believe that God is in this with you. You are not alone. One of the greatest gifts that I've experienced in my life are some, some men of God who are beyond me in, in the season of life and in the journey of faith who have come alongside of me in times when I've really needed and said, okay, George, remember, you're not alone. You're not alone in this. 
We're praying for you. God is faithful. You are going to see the faithfulness of God. We, we may not know how this is all going to play out for, for your story, but we know you are going to see the faithfulness of God. This tremendous blessing, one generation to the next. And so I would say to those of you who are younger in the faith, those, those of you who are students here this weekend for Crave, please do not miss this. You need older, wiser, more mature followers of Jesus in your life. This is the way God lines it out. One generation to the next. Do not make the mistake of only spending time with people in your generation. And I would say the older generation or the older, older generation, wherever you find yourself, God has gifted you with so much to offer the next generation. And not only that, there are still some things that you might could learn. There are still some things that you might benefit from, from the next generation. Do not make the mistake of only spending time with people who are your same generation and your same place in the journey of faith. We need one another. A multi-generational church, a multi-generational family of God is a tremendous Blessing unless, unless the generations choose to segregate from one another. And unless the generations choose to see the other generations as a threat. And the Apostle Paul knows that this actually is something that, that may take place. And so he gets really, really personal in verse 5. And I love that he does this. He begins to talk to, to, to Timothy about his, his family of faith, his faith heritage, and he names names. Why is that important? Because when we talk about one generation to the next, and we're not talking about people by their name, it's very easy for us to get really, really cynical. or really, really fearful and go, oh, you know, those boomers are crazy. Oh, you know, those millennials, they're lazy. Oh, Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen whatever the heck is coming next, they're messing it all up. Those techies, they're crazy. They don't know anything about real life. They live their whole lives digitally and online. They can't even talk to people or look them in the eye. And it's so easy to characterize a whole generation and go, oh, they're a threat. Oh, stay away from them. Oh, they're going to mess the whole thing up unless, unless you know them by name. And when you know them by name and you're connected heart to heart and you're connected story to story, all of the sudden, you see the beauty of what God does one generation to the next. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, you, you know the names 
of the the women of God in your family. You know the names of those who have gone before you. Don't forget about your your grandmother. Don't forget about your mother. Don't forget about Lois and, and Eunice and the way the faith was so alive in them and the way they prayed for you and the way they they pursued you with the good news of who God is and what he has done. Don't forget them. Don't forget the way God has blessed you with this household of faith and this heritage of faith in your own family. See the work of God in this incredible gift. And I know you may, you may be here this morning, students, you may be here this morning going, well, hold on, that's, that's not the kind of family I come from. Maybe you're here today and you would say, hey, I'm a first-generation follower of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, hey, I, my family doesn't normally go to church or, or I grew up in a home where, where we didn't talk about Jesus and we didn't really talk about the things of God. And you may say, so, so do I just miss out? Does that just mean like I don't get a story like this? And the answer is absolutely not. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. It's the beauty of the family of God that every single follower of Jesus has a faith heritage and a legacy of faith. Every follower of Jesus stands on the shoulders of those who have gone before us in the faith and paved the way for us to hear and receive the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. Students, some of you are experiencing that for the first time this weekend. You've got a leader some friends, a host home that now is actually part of your your family heritage of faith. You're a part of their story of faithfulness. They will be a part of your story of walking with Jesus. There's this beautiful thing that God does, even if we don't have a, a family of faith that we grew up in, in our household, that God calls us as followers of Christ to join the family of faith in the local church, in his body, to say, hey, there is a family for you. I want to show you a picture of my senior year of high school at a Disciple Now weekend, which is like a Crave weekend. Uh, Yours truly is wearing the green hat right there in the middle. That's me and all of my glory as a high school senior. I know you're impressed. I get it. It's a joke. You can laugh at that. Good night. But we had a great, fun group of guys. And leave that picture up there for a second because... uh, It's pretty incredible when I look at that picture and I think about what God has done. So that group of guys, we we really hung out together all through high school. Many different backgrounds, many different stories. Some of the guys in this group were from, from broken homes. Mom and dad were divorced. Some of the guys in this group really never were involved in church until they got plugged into this group. Most of the guys in this group were, were buddies of mine from our high school football team and, and, and several of these guys, really, they didn't have much church background at all, but, but there's a guy standing down in the corner there. His name was Jeff Williams. Jeff was a deacon at our church. And Jeff had two daughters. He didn't have any sons. And, and so as his daughters got a little bit older, he said, you know what, I'd really love to plug in and try to invest in the next generation into a group of guys. And so he became our our small group leader, our Sunday school teacher. 
And every year from seventh grade until we graduated high school, this was our senior year, Jeff Williams was our small group leader, our Sunday school teacher, our disciple now leader. He went with us on mission trips. He went with us to summer camp. He lived life with us and he pointed us to Jesus. And we didn't realize this at the time. Jeff was not only a deacon in our church, he was also the CEO of a Fortune 500 company in Atlanta, Georgia. And he invited us to his house every once in a while. We'd be like, yeah, man, this place is unreal. It's got a tennis court and a pool. This is cool. But we had no idea that he was like somebody. Like he had better things to do with his life than hang out with a crazy group of, of students. And yet he poured his life and his faith into us. And there are several guys in that picture. Can please hear this? Their faith family began in that group. Their faith heritage begins with Jeff Williams. There were several guys in that group. They had never heard about Jesus before Jeff shared Jesus with them. There were several guys in that group. They didn't have other Christians in their home. And Jeff pointed them to Jesus. And there's this incredible beauty of what God does through the family of God, through the people of God. When the church says, we believe that God wants to use us one generation to the next. And we believe that we're not here just for our generation. We're here for the sake of the next generation, hearing, believing, receiving the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. Students, there is an army. There is a family in this church believing in you, wanting to be a part of your faith story and wanting you to be a part of theirs. It's the beautiful gift of the body of Christ. Remember, Timothy, you're not alone. Remember, students, you are not alone. Verse 6 says this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. What is Paul saying? This is so important, and, and this really sets up what Paul's gonna say in verse seven. Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, do not forget the power of the gospel. Remember what this is all about. Remember, I know you're walking through a, a struggle. I know right now you're trying to figure out what's the next step of faith to take. I know right now it may feel like you're all alone, but do not forget the power of the gospel. Remember what Christ has done. And because of what Christ has done, you can know you are not alone. Why does this matter specifically in this context as Paul's writing to Timothy? Well, Many Bible commentators and historians will say that Timothy was actually a very shy guy. We'd call him an introvert. He wasn't wired the same way that Paul was wired. In fact, you would probably look at Timothy's life and you'd go, that's not a leader. Didn't have the charisma that Paul had. 
didn't have the courage that Paul had. In fact, many people would say about Timothy, part of the reason Paul wrote this letter to Timothy is that, is that Timothy really wrestled with, with being weak. He wrestled with some fear. And Paul is reminding Timothy, Timothy, God didn't call you because of how great you are. God called you because of how great he is. And when he calls you, he will equip you. When he calls you, he will give you what you need to do what he has called you to do. Timothy, this is not about your power. This is about the power of the gospel that has transformed your life and can transform the life of others who believe. Remember the power of the gospel. This is not about your strength. This is not about your charisma. This is not about your eloquent speech. This is not about your great gifts or abilities. This is about what Jesus Christ has done. Do not forget the power of the gospel. I love this quote from Oswald Chambers. It's a beautiful thought to consider. He says, all throughout history, God has chosen and used nobodies because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and grace. He chose and used somebodies, listen to this, only when they renounced dependence on their natural abilities and resources. God uses our lives when we are reminded of our need for him. Paul says to Timothy, fan into flame the gift that you've been given. Pour gas on that fire. How do you fan into flame the gift that you've been given? Students, how do you take what you have experienced this weekend back with you to your home, back with you to your school, back with you to your teams? How do you do that? You remember how dependent on God you truly are. This is not about you finding a way to get stronger on your own. This is about you being reminded of how dependent you are on God. Because when you are reminded of how dependent you are on God, then you get to see how dependent God truly is. Remember the power of the gospel. And then Paul says, verse 7, this great statement. For God did not, for God gave us a spirit, excuse me, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Students, this is so important. The word of God is saying to each and every follower of Jesus Christ, remember the power of the spirit that has been given to you. Timothy, I know you're walking through a challenging time. Timothy, I know you're trying to figure out how can you have the strength to do what God has called you to do. Remember the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. Students, some of you need to hear this because today you're gonna go back home and for some of you, you're gonna talk about this weekend and your mom and dad are not gonna understand. Some of you are feeling that right now. And you know, you know God has done something in your life 
And it's unlike anything you've ever experienced. And, and you know for the first time that you've, you've received the good news of what Jesus has done. And you're going to go back home in, in the next hour. And you're going to see a mom and dad who love you, but they don't understand. And that's not going to be easy. It's going to be easy to, to start to back up. To start to shy away. To be afraid to talk about what God has done. And Paul is saying, hey, hey, that's not, that's not the spirit of God. It's natural to be afraid. It's normal to be afraid. Timothy was timid. He, he, he was weak. He was shy. And Paul's writing this letter to say, Timothy, hey, hey when you feel afraid, the, the, the most accurate translation there is, is cowardice. When you feel like a coward, remember, that's not the spirit of God. Let that fear that you feel, let that cowardice that you feel when people ask you about the weekend, you're like, oh, do I, do I talk about Jesus or not? When you feel that tension, when you feel that, that fear, when you feel like, I'm not sure I can, I can step forward into this conversation, remember, that, that's not from the Spirit of God, but it has been alive in you. And now there's a spirit saying, I've got something else for you. In that fear, I've got power. In that fear, I've got, I've got love. In that fear, I've got self-control or, or you could say steadiness. I've got unwavering faith. That's what the Spirit of God provides for you. So remember you're not alone. Re remember what God has given you in the gospel and remember that one of the gifts of receiving Jesus is the Holy Spirit of God who empowers you, who, who, who gives you a love for others, who, who gives you a steadiness, an unwavering faith, self-control in the midst of challenges and struggles. That's the Spirit of God alive in you. Trust the Spirit. Remember the Spirit and watch what God will do. So students, we want to close just a little different way here today. We're going to wrap this up right now. And, and what I want to do is I want to ask every student who's been involved in Crave Weekend, your, your leaders can, can do this with you. Would you just stand up right where you are? Students, leaders, host homes, if you want to join in, just stand up right where you are. I just want to pray over you because this, this is where the rubber meets the road. This service ends, you go home. Tomorrow morning, back to school. Like, like this is where you get to now live out what you say you believe. And there's going to be moments, there's going to be days, there's going to be conversations where you're going to be afraid and you're going to go, I'm not sure. And you're going to be like, I feel alone. And I just want to pray over you that you would remember the good news of the word of God and the good news that has been proclaimed over you. You're not alone. You've been given a gift that is better than anything this world has to offer. There is nothing better than Jesus. And you've been given the power of the Holy Spirit 
A spirit that's not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of, of power, love, and self-control. I just want to pray right now that that would be planted in your heart and in your mind. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for what you've done this weekend. We thank you for these students and the way you're pursuing them with your love. We thank you, Lord, for the decisions of faith that have been made this weekend. We praise your name, the God of our salvation. And I pray, Lord God, that as these students go back to their homes today, And as these students go back to class tomorrow and go back to practice tomorrow afternoon, and as these students interact with some people that perhaps don't understand what has happened in their life this weekend, or or some people that begin to see, oh, there's something different in you now. What's that all about? Lord, I know that's going to cause them at times to go, I'm not sure I want to step forward into this. That fear may well up. And I pray, Lord God, that you would remind them as they feel that tension or feel that fear, that that's not from you. And your spirit, your spirit alive in them through Jesus Christ has given them a power and a love and a self-control that has perfectly positioned them to live out their calling as a follower of Jesus right where you have placed them. That your spirit has equipped them to leverage their lives for the sake of the gospel right where they are and wherever you take them. That your spirit promises them that they will never be alone. So, Lord, may they trust in your word and may they remember the spirit that you have given them. And may you use their lives in ways that are so much greater than anything they could even begin to comprehend right here today. Thank you for the story of the family of faith that you have invited us to be about. Use us for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, church, would you stand with these students? We're going to sing together as we close our time this morning. Let's respond to the good news of the word of God by lifting our voice.